1: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today is March 7th, and I'm going to talk to you about two topics. The first is the marijuana bill in Oklahoma, State Question 820. Today's the day to vote, and you should definitely vote no, and I'm going to tell you why. And The second topic I'm going to talk about today is the Jesus movie. My wife and I went to see it on Sunday, and I'm going to give you my review. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. As I said in the introduction, I have two topics today. They seem to be somewhat unrelated, but I suppose really they're not because the Jesus Revolution movie is tied into the drug culture because it sprung out of the late 1960s, 1970s era, a time of great rebellion and great change in our nation the hippie movement, all of the rebellion that came with the Beatles and Rolling Stones era, the drug use, the tuning in and checking out, culture, a culture that turned into itself and turned away from God. And in the midst of all of this, you had the Jesus Revolution, where hundreds of thousands of young people came to Christ. Hundreds of thousands of them, by all accounts, actually went to the Pacific Ocean to get baptized. By the movement that was started by Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel. The Jesus Revolution movie is that story, and Marcy and I went to see it this weekend, and I'm going to give you my review of that after the break. But first, before we talk about that, I want to make sure that you remember that March 7th, today, is the day to vote here in Oklahoma, and the state question on the ballot is State Question 820. It's the question as to whether or not Oklahoma should legalize recreational marijuana use. Move from the medical marijuana approval that we granted, yet a few years ago, and I would argue that that was a mistake because we never really defined what medical marijuana was. And now we're ready to jump the shark and move to recreational marijuana, where it can be used anytime, anyplace across the land. With children in the room, with children not in the room secondhand smoke issues, the uh, issue of cartels, the issue of water use, electric use, all of these things need to be considered. But the primary thing we need to think about is the impact that this particular bill will have on our culture. What will Oklahoma be like if we pass this bill? So after we take a break, I'm going to cover first state question 820, why you should vote today and why you should vote no on that particular question. And then the second issue I'm going to talk about, if we have time, is give you a very quick review of the Jesus Revolution movie, the story of Greg Lowry, Chuck Smith, and the movement that started in California and swept across the nation, if not an entire world. Some people call it the largest revival, the greatest reawakening in American history, if you measure it quantitatively. Was it good? Did it change America? And are there any parallels between that movement and what we're seeing right now in terms of the Asbury revival? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes.
0: sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve.
1: Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Thanks again for listening in today. I appreciate it. Okay, so it's March 7th. So if you're listening to this show and it's in the morning of March 7th, I want you to get out and vote. Take the time to get out and vote during lunch or before you go home tonight after work. Or if you're not working, get to the the ballot and vote Anytime today. Uh, Marcy and I are going to go vote at 7 o'clock this morning before I head off over to Pahuska to work as county commissioner over there. The, it's very important. The people of Oklahoma don't want this. The only way this bill will pass is if we sit on our hands and do nothing. You have to get out and vote. And you should vote no. Uh, let's go back to the marijuana discussion here in Oklahoma. I said years ago, when medical marijuana was on the ballot here in Oklahoma that I wasn't necessarily opposed to medical use of marijuana. If it is prescribed by your doctor and if it is administered and sold in a pharmacy, there's no reason to legalize any drug for medical use and then turn around and start selling it in pole barns next to pawn shops or a reclaimed gas station on the corner. These gas and grass stations that have sprung up as the result of medical marijuana approval here in Oklahoma are crazy. You don't go to a repurposed gas station or a metal building or a pole barn to buy other prescription drugs. You You go to Walgreens, you go to Walmart, you go to CVS, you go someplace else to buy your Prescription drugs. Why? It's because they have been vetted and approved through a process that tells you that those drugs, number one, have been tested as to any adverse effects over time. At least that was the case before COVID. That's my problem with the COVID vaccine too. Uh, it's It hasn't been tested. We don't know what we're injecting into our body and therefore we should be very cautious. The medical establishment, the scientific community, compromised itself by rushing that drug through the system. And even though it is sold, I grant you, it is sold in pharmacies. I would argue that the pharmacies have compromised, as well as the medical establishment and the FDA, etc. We know that. So why would we double down on that stupidity and make a mistake by not even vetting it at all and selling a drug in the local gas station or pawn, pawn shop, or at least next door to it? That was my problem with medical marijuana then. If we wanted to make it a drug that was prescribed for medical purposes, then it should have gone through the entire process in the exact same way as all other drugs at that time. And if you were prescribed that drug by a doctor for a pain, for cancer uh, mitigation, or whatever the case may be, if the doctor really felt there was evidence that that drug might, may be of benefit to you, then it was between you and your doctor, and you could get the prescription, and take it to the local pharmacy and have it filled just like any other drug. But no, that's not the way we handled it. We passed this law, and our legislature was stupid and didn't even have a well-defined parameter, any well-defined parameters around the law. And therefore, we've got a mess on our hands, and we've got all these cartels that have moved into Oklahoma from Russia, Romania, uh, Red China, uh, Mexico, and whatnot, and we've got a mess. We've got over 6,000 uh, grow houses in Oklahoma right now. Over 800 of them have been uh, shut down by the by the police because of criminal activity at these particular grow houses. We know that Oklahoma is the go to place for cartels and the illegal distribution, the growth, and then the distribution of marijuana across the United States. We created a mess. So are we going to double down and do the same thing again? I surely hope not. Vote no to state question 820. This is the state question that would legalize recreational marijuana. It's on the ballot today. You've got to get out and vote no. One more time. March 7th, get out and vote no. March 7th, get out and vote no on recreational marijuana use. Why? Well, here's the impact that marijuana will have on children. Okay, marijuana is linked to school failure, lower income and poorer quality of life. That's a fact. Statistically, marijuana use is linked to school failure, lower income, and poorer quality of life. Okay, you want to pose that, impose that on your children in greater measure? People who begin using marijuana before age 18 are more likely to develop some level of marijuana disorder later on in life. That only is common sense, right? Is marijuana a harmless drug? Well, you know it's not. It, it causes uh, cognitive impairment, and it also it also changes the very configuration of the brain. You have brain scans that are out there from um, uh, autopsies that have been done on an 18-year-old that didn't use marijuana, and then autopsies that have been done on a deceased 18-year-old who did use marijuana. And the brain scans are dramatically different. The brain scan of an 18-year-old who was a regular marijuana user is all bumpy and lumpy, and there are actually gaps, holes in the brain scan. Whereas the brain scan of somebody who didn't use that, it's a healthy-looking brain that's solid and whole, and it has the structure, the configuration that seems normal. You think maybe, maybe we ought to tap the brakes a bit before we legalize the recreational use of a drug that changes the very configuration of the brain. At a time when the senior citizens in our culture are suffering dementia and Alzheimer's in great, great measure, and it's very concerning... Why is this happening? Are we going to double down and start using a drug that is known to change the configuration of the brain? What are the consequences, the unintended consequences of doing that to later generations? Okay, people who begin using marijuana before age 18 are more likely to develop some level of marijuana use disorder in the future. Okay, that's an impact on children. I already covered that one. Marijuana use is unsafe if you're behind the wheel. It's like an intoxicant. Uh, When you're driving under the influence of marijuana, you're just as dangerous as if you were driving under the influence of too many drinks, alcohol use. And if you're going to use the argument, well, we've legalized alcohol, why not legalize marijuana? Why? Why, if there are problems associated with alcohol use, such as drunk driving, driving under the influence, why would you want to double down and make that issue worse in our culture rather than trying to change it for the good? Okay, here's another reason. State question... Uh, 820 expressly changes the threshold for child endangerment, making it legal to smoke and use marijuana around children. Nobody could be arrested for smoking weed around a five year old, an eight year old. The secondhand smoke issue we made a big deal about that with tobacco, and now we're going to just shrug and ignore it when it comes to this particular smoke. That people that are sitting in the restaurant or maybe you've got a hotel room and somebody next to you is smoking weed and the smoke is wafting under the door and you can do nothing about it. Nothing can be done about it. Your children are going to be exposed to that. Here's another thing that pertains to children. Children. State question 820 takes away the court's ability to protect children in visitation cases, allowing children to be exposed to marijuana users with no ability of a parent to seek limitation of exposure during court order visitations. So if you get a divorce and your kids have the right to go see your spouse on the weekend, if your spouse is smoking weed around your kids, you have no right to say, I don't want that to happen. Okay, that's just one thing that's going on with the state question. That's its impact on children. Well, how about its impact on law enforcement? State question 820. Its impact on the police, law enforcement, in, here in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, international crime syndicates have entered Oklahoma under the current veil of legal medical use. We know that. I just covered that. You have over 6,000 grow houses, and guess what? They use your water. They're grow houses. They don't, they don't rely on the rain to water their crop. There's irrigation. They're pumping water out of your water supply. And when you have a drought in Oklahoma like we had last year, do you want your water being used up for the production of marijuana rather than your own consumption or the irrigation of your fields for your cattle and for your crops? Well, state question 820 will make it even worse. All of your water is going to be used by marijuana grow houses rather than used for productive Pro, uh, uh, crop and products such as wheat or cattle. Oklahoma has recently been noted as having the largest marijuana black market network in the nation. I already covered that, but that's a fact. More than California, more than Colorado, Oklahoma is the place to come. If you want to establish a grow house business, you do it here. Why? Property is cheap and you've got water because we've been too stupid to recognize that we put that it's going to be a problem having all of these artificially irrigated grow houses consuming all of our water and our legislature didn't do anything about it to put a stop to that. Frankly, if I were in the legislature, I would be sponsoring bills right now to stop these marijuana grow houses from using our water and using our electricity. If they want to grow it, they have to grow it naturally, just like the farmers in my area do with beans and wheat. Uh, The farmers here next to me, out in my little corner of northeast Oklahoma by Copan, they don't have irrigation. They rely on the rain, and they're not using up the water supply to irrigate their crops. And even if they did on wheat and soybeans, at least it's a crop for food consumption to keep us from starving to death. It's not for the growth of something like marijuana Or poppies that are used for nothing other than producing a drug that causes dysfunction in culture rather than actually helping us. So the impact on law enforcement here is great. These organized crime networks that are coming into our communities to run these grow houses that are using our electricity, using our water, these are violent crime syndicates. They're from Romania and Russia and China. And that's not hyperbole. That's just a fact. We know that to be true. And why would you want more of that rather than doing something to correct the mistakes we've already made? So vote no on State Question 820. And here's another reason to vote no with regard to law enforcement. Our legislature, as well as the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority and local law enforcement officials, have yet to work out the existing issues created by the earlier State Question 788 that started this nightmare in the first place. So if they haven't fixed that, why would we approve another step along the path of destruction. I mean, it, it's crazy. So vote no on state question 820. Here are the national trends with regard to marijuana. Oklahoma would become the most pro-marijuana state in the US if we go with this recreation bill. Is that what you want for our culture, for our kids, for our community? Currently, our state has both the highest usage rate and the number of dispensaries in the nation. So we've got the most dispensaries, and we have the highest usage rate under the medical marijuana bill. Do you want to make it recreational? Is this going to be good for your schools, for your culture, for your community? Will Oklahoma remain what it is today if you approve this recreational use bill? And in addition to the over 6,000 grow houses that we have across the entire state, we have 2,129 dispensaries at present under the medical marijuana bill. How many of those do you think will spring up if we go to recreational? So, we've got problems. California is the second highest state in the nation with dispensaries, and they only have 1,440. We already have 2,129. So, we're changing the very nature of Oklahoma by doing this. So, don't give me the libertarian argument that we have the right to consume what we have to consume. No, you don't. Do you want to start growing? Do Do you want to legalize all drugs? Do you want to legalize fentanyl use? Unrestricted. Do you want to use, utilize heroin use? Unrestricted. Should I, should I have the right to start um, a poppy field business out here in, on my farm? Should it be restricted? Is that what you want? Do you want to turn into Afghanistan where there's no restriction on all of this stuff? And here's another statistic. 9.31% of Oklahoma adults currently have a medical marijuana card. That's the highest in the nation. Do you know what the second highest is? Well, it's New Mexico at 4.35%. We're more than double. We're more than double. And we're going to double down and go with recreational use too? This is not healthy for our community and for our culture. And here's a little bit more before I get into the Jesus movie critique. Let's talk about THC content today versus what it was back in the time of the Jesus revolution, of experimental use of marijuana back then. THC content for the 1960s through the 1980s was typically around 2%. Today, the most popular strains of marijuana products have THC contents from 17 to 28 percent. Do you see the difference there? It, it's much more potent. It's not the same drug. So, if you experimented with marijuana back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, the the content of the marijuana, the THC content of that particular grass and weed, was two percent, and now it's 17 to 28 percent. Edibles and oils and other forms of marijuana can have THC levels at around 95%, and that's going to be legal. So it was 2% back then, and now you're going to be consuming something that has 95% THC content? With higher levels of THC, marijuana is now considered addictive. And that's a fact. That's a medical fact. Don't say it's not an addictive drug. That's just a blatant lie. It was addictive back then, and if it's gone from 2% content to 95% content today, do you think it's even more addictive? That would be like arguing that tobacco with greater levels of nicotine, 2% back then, 95% now, is not addictive. Well, of course it is. And it's just a blatant lie in denial to say otherwise. It, it, THC content, these high levels, is likely linked to mental health problems such as anxiety, depression, psychosis, and suicide ideation. And that's not to mention diminished cognitive capacity. You're, You're butchering your brain by doing this, and you're going to expose your kids to this particular problem. Bottom line, this is not the drug of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's a very different drug. It's much more addictive It's much more prone to misuse. It causes problems not only to the user, but to the secondhand inhalers of this smoke. The edibles are extremely problematic, and they look like candy. Therefore, children often consume them, unknowingly so. They don't know what they're doing, and then you have problems with the kids that are in the households of the people that are using this stuff. So, vote no. Vote no today, March 7th. Vote no on state question 820. This will change our culture. It will harm our kids. It will destroy our communities. It brings more crime exponentially into Oklahoma, right next door to where you live. They're using up your water, they're using up your electricity, and they're producing a drug that is sold on the black market. We will become the number one producer of this drug in the nation. And in this corner of the world, if we approve state question 820, vote no today on this bill. All right. So that's the marijuana bill. So what's that have to do with the Jesus Revolution? Well, I guess the segue here is the Jesus Revolution movie is about a time when we were going through a lot of this stuff before it's a deja vu moment. You kind of feel like we've been here before. When you go to the Jesus movie, even if you're not old enough to have experienced that time in our history yourself, you, you can appreciate the fact that it changed the world. It changed our culture. It changed our country. These were very turbulent times. Times of the sexual revolution, experimental drug use, the burgeoning LGBTQ homosexual movement. It was a time of Height Ashbury and Berkeley, and everything else that goes with it. Now, some of us have fond memories of the music and whatnot of that time, and some of us actually are old enough to have participated in the movement. Uh, I'm a little younger than that. I was I'm old enough to remember it because I was a young kid at the time. But my brothers, who are seven and eight years older than me, actually were part of this. This particular 1960s, 70s era. And one of my brothers in particular who just died last year died as the result of a lot of addictions. Various different drug addictions that he acquired during that time. He was a Vietnam vet. Uh, He fought over there for a little less than two years. Whether he had his addictions before he went there or after, I don't know. But he suffered those addictions for the rest of his life and he died of brain cancer just last year. So I do have family experience with this particular era, this particular time. And as I said, I was in elementary school at the time this was all taking place, so I do remember it. So the Jesus Revolution movie is a movie about that time, but it's the movie about Chuck Smith, a pastor in California who had a small church, a Bible-preaching pastor. And it's the story about the hippie movement and how he reached out to that particular subculture. It's the story of Chuck Smith as the pastor. It's the story of Lonnie Frisbee, who was one of the hippies who actually came, became part of that particular movement as a preacher and as a partner with Chuck Smith in preaching the gospel to the hippies. And then it's the story of the conversion of Greg Laurie, who's now a pastor of a very large church in California. It's the story of his conversion and how he got born again, saved, became a follower of Jesus Christ through the Jesus Revolution. That's the story of this movie. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything that takes place because I want you to go see it. It's a good movie. And it's a movie that actually does share the gospel. It could probably do a little bit better job. For example, Chuck Smith was known for preaching the gospel, preaching that you must be born again, that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Chuck Smith preached this almost every time he took to the pulpit. And he also was a great expositor of Scripture. He taught the Bible. Those people who were saved out of that particular movement, the Calvary Chapel movement started by Chuck Smith, will tell you that if you spend a couple of years In Chuck Smith's church, you knew your Bible as a result of that because he taught it so consistently and persistently and thoroughly. So the movie kind of misses that. But it does share the gospel. For example, when Greg Laurie gets baptized, Lonnie Frisbee, when he's baptizing him, asks Greg Laurie, young Greg Laurie, the actor in the movie, are you ready to confess your sins to Jesus Christ and to claim him as your Lord and Savior and to follow him the rest of your life? That's a pretty simple but clear proclamation of the gospel. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and are you confessing your sins, all of your sins before him? That's critical. Now, how does the movie differ from the Asbury Revival? Or how does the Jesus Revolution differ from the Asbury Revival? Well, I don't know for sure, but one thing that I think we should be asking about it is when these hippies were confessing their sins and getting baptized by the hundreds of thousands in California, which is a historical fact, they were being called to, number one, confess Jesus Christ as the second person of the triune God. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. He is the great I Am. Jesus is God. He's not just an interesting sage, an affirming uncle, or somebody who preaches inclusivity and tolerance. No, that's not the Jesus that these hippies were confessing. They were confessing the real Jesus. That's what Chuck Smith was preaching. And they were also repenting of their sins, confessing their sins. They were identifying real sins. They were were repenting of their sexual nihilism. They were repenting of their drug use and the abuse of their body, the abuse of the Temple of the Holy Spirit. This was really going on back in the 60s. Now, was their theology somewhat off? Some of it was, sure. You know, we might want to ask this question. When we get to heaven, are we all going to find out that our theology was 100% accurate? Well, probably not. Yours might be 5% off. Mine might be 15% off. But if we confess our sins to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we repent, of the things that we have done wrong, of the sins that we have that are identified by the Bible, not by our culture. If we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. If we have repented of our sins and confessed him as our Lord and Savior, and if we will then follow him. Lord means being obedient. Not that you're saved by works, but you have to recognize that Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey me. This was the message of the Jesus Revolution back in the 1960s. So my question of the Asbury Revival is still the same as it was several weeks ago when we started following this. I don't know for sure what the Asbury Revival was preaching. I've listened to the sermon that led to the revival, and it was an interesting sermon that cited the mandate of love for love that Paul calls for in Romans 13, chapter 13. And I think that's good but I found it interesting that the sermon on love did not include the later portions of that chapter in Romans, which was the portion of Scripture that actually led to the conversion of Augustine. Augustine was saved because he picked up the Bible and he read the later portion of chapter 13 in Romans, which says to set aside your debauchery and sexual, sexual sin. That was not preached in that sermon. Now, was it preached from the pulpit later on at the Asbury Revival? perhaps but I've never heard it. I've never heard that the students were repenting of their sexual nihilism, of the LGBTQIA identity claims. I've never heard that they've repented of their CRT, BLM, SJW, narcissism. I've never heard that to be the primary focus of the Asbury Revival. So the difference between the two, the Jesus Revolution and perhaps the Asbury Revival, or at least the question we need to ask is, are today's students repenting of the sins of our time as the students during the Jesus Revolution did? Interesting question, isn't it? But go see the movie and remember today, vote no on State Question 820. I'm Dr. Ever Piper and this is The Rebellion.